Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Attain Anything podcast. I'm Wade Swigel. And I'm Chris Marhefka. During this podcast, we'll bring you conversations with high-achieving, world-class individuals at the top of their game. This will help you elevate your influence. We're going to learn their stories, and they're going to share their tips and secrets that have allowed them to become extremely successful. So you can live life to your maximum potential and ultimately attain anything. Welcome everybody to the Attain Anything podcast. Today we have an excellent speaker. Today we've got John Spence. He's an internationally renowned expert in the field of leadership, author of several business books, and a top 100 business thought leader in America. Chris, tell us a little bit more about John Spence. Yeah, so I'm really excited to have John on the uh, podcast today. Uh, One of my favorite business books, Awesomely Simple, I think it's one of John's bestsellers. He's also written four others, co-authored so many more. Uh, He's one of the top 100 business thought leaders in America. He was recently named one of the top 50 leaders to watch in 2017. So here's three other names that are on that list. Sergey Brin and Larry Page of Google and Jeff Bezos of Amazon. It's not a bad list to be a part of, right? Not a bad list at all. And the thing about John Spence, he's the most humble, modest guy. He's got a great sense of humor. I really think our listeners are going to enjoy hearing him speak. Uh, He was formerly the youngest CEO of the Rockefeller Foundation at the age of 26, which launched his career. Now he travels the world speaking, writing books. He says he does not watch any TV or movies. He's constantly reading business books, and he has a lot of really good advice to share with us today. And one of the things I'm really excited to hear from him is because he consults with and he's he's talking with some of the top performers in the world, some of the some of the top companies, Fortune 500 companies and their leaders. And he's going to be speaking on some of the things that they all do consistently and even some things where even those top companies can improve on. And I think there's going to be a, a lot to learn from just his high level thought. He consumes so much information and he's able to whittle it down to like the most concise, like, like specific takeaway points uh, better than anyone that I've ever heard. Yeah, he really is like a living sponge when it comes to absorbing information and then just rehashing it in a way that everybody can understand. I I once heard an urban legend about John Spence that he laid out 40 business books on a mattress and was able to align them and and, and point strings to their associations with one another. So I'm really excited to to get into this podcast and uh, see what all all nuggets we can pull out today. And you know what I'm really excited about for this podcast is uh, on this show... Uh, he specifically said, I've asked him two questions that no one has ever asked him before. So if you listen and follow to John Spence and you want to hear two answers that he's never, ever given before, stay tuned on the podcast. I'm excited. Let's go. That's my long-winded introduction. Uh, John, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do for people. Well, uh, I'll give you the quick thumbnail background. Uh, Proud Gator graduated here in 89. Uh, after failing out of college on the first try, I uh, graduated at U of F number three in the country, went to work for the Rockefellers, uh, ran one of their foundations when I was 26, and um, I left there after about six years to go into private consulting with uh, a company that did very high-level sales training, helping Fortune 100 companies 
close deals of $100 million or larger. Did that for a couple of years, then I went independent 23 years ago. So I've spent the last two decades uh, traveling all over the world, helping companies in the area of high-performance teams, leadership, business excellence, culture, uh, strategy. I've been teaching strategy at Wharton now for about 19 years. So mixed bag there, a uh, lot of research, a lot of study along the way to, to make sure that I'm keeping up with the newest information and the best ideas. And, and John, I do want to talk a lot about strategy today, but I have to ask you just personally, how do you maintain the energy and the fire to do this for 23 years? Uh, and it's funny, people. I, I had a breakfast with somebody today that asked me when I was going to retire, and I looked at her and said, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I love what I do. Uh, I, I honestly can't believe I get paid to do this. Um, my job is all to be of service to other people and help them have a more successful business or career. So I get up every day just as excited as can be to go help people. And then I really like business as a topic. I've, I've owned or been the CEO of five companies, three of them multinational. So I see business as this really cool game, and I like to play the game well. And it's not about the money. It's about having fun, doing things you enjoy, making a difference. So it all comes down to being passionate about what I do. And I know you mentioned that you, you're constantly trying to stay on the cutting edge of things. You're constantly reading. You're constantly studying things. Tell us a little bit about those habits because I've heard these, these legends of you laying books out over bedspreads and, and you know, just being able to link up the, the different parts of it. Are those true? Well, uh, I get, I've, been, I've been reading a minimum of 100 business books a year every year since 1989. Um, it's now gotten to the point that I, I think I've read about 3,000 books just on Amazon so I'm one of their top raters for business books, which is cool because that means that authors from all over the world send me their books to review, hoping that I'll review them on Amazon. So uh, I get a lot of books in. Part of it, too, there was a discipline is I don't watch TV. Uh, I don't go to the mall. I don't go to movies. I figured out in my life what's really important to me and what I value. And I try to say no to anything that doesn't meet those values. And learning is one of my top values, and I want to be good at what I do. So I take those other things that I, I would view as a waste of time or not a good use of my time and reinvest it in either uh, reading, studying, learning, spending time with my family, trying to be more healthy, uh, my hobbies, fishing, painting, stuff like that. Uh, which mean, And also, you know, I travel roughly 180 to 210 days a year. And from the minute I get to the airport to the minute I get home, every spare minute I have, I'm reading or uh, a book or a magazine or listen to a podcast so that the whole time I'm gone, it's sort of like a universe, travel university. Now, that, that's, to me, that's fascinating because you know, so many people get so bogged down with you know, all of the distractions there are, social media, uh, emails, television, movies, Netflix, you know, all of the above. Um, we've also heard that some entrepreneurs say, you know, don't take in all of this information. Focus on just one skill, one thing you're trying to build so that you can execute that rather than getting addicted to information and uh, not actually able to act on anything because you're so overwhelmed with all the uh, self-development and business and all the different areas of, of, of that whole industry. Uh, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, as far as absorbing it too much. Well, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge fan of focus, uh, and although I take an, although I look at a massive amount of information, remember that I'm very focused when I read that. I'm looking for things to learn and to teach. Uh, so, on a 300-page book, I don't read the whole book. 
I if there's a story about how Mary and Bob at the office, I just skip that. And I'm looking for data, information, ideas, and tools. So, and also remember, it's my job. So it's not just I am very focused on becoming very good at my job. So the reading, studying, learning is part of what I do every day. It, it's it feels uncomfortable to me, uh, but I actually read in my office for about three hours a day, two hours a day, every day, and I feel bad that I'm just hanging out here reading. But that's what I get paid to do, and, and that's my, my area of focus. So I agree that you don't want to get too much information, but if you're reading everything looking for very specific things that will help you and your business, I think that's a pretty good investment of your time. Absolutely. And, and you've had access to some of the most successful people in business over your career. Um, would you say that that is a commonality that at this point in your career where we know people's names, they're just so laser-focused that that's all that they do. Is that something that you see as common? Yeah. When I uh, years ago, I, I got asked by a Fortune 10 company to do a, a talk on the essence of excellence, and I picked up the phone and called a bunch of the kind of people you're talking about. And I looked at the books and studied stuff and talked to CEOs of Fortune 50 companies and did everything. And based on what they told me, I boiled it down to three key ideas: FDA. The F stands for focus. Uh, and you've got to be focused on your philosophy of excellence and what you're trying to achieve in your life or your business. So you have to have a real clear plan about where am I trying to take my life, my career, and my organization, my business, and be intently focused on that. Uh, the D stands for discipline. Then you have to have the discipline and not just think about it, write it down, but to stay focused on that, not get distracted, and stay on that every day. And the last one is the amount of action you apply, the A, is determines the amount of results you get. A little bit of focus, not quite sure what I'm trying to do, distracted all the time, a uh, little bit of discipline. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm not on it every day, or a little bit of action. The outcome is mediocrity. And we've got a saying, our company, uh, the minute you start accepting mediocrity in your life, you become a magnet for mediocrity in your life. Similar to how you do anything is how you do everything, that yeah. sounds like. And there's another really interesting idea here, I'll put up real quick. When you look at somebody who's exceedingly good at what they do, um, an athlete, uh, a, a whatever, a musician, a chess player, whatever it might be, there's four P's to creating excellence. Uh, the first one is passion. Hard to become world-class at something you don't really enjoy, that you don't love, that you're not committed to. So you have to have a deep passion for what you're pursuing. Uh, the next one is persistence. And that, it, you know, it, it doesn't happen overnight. It's two years, three years, five years, 10 years. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about the 10 years, 10,000 hour uh, rule of becoming an expert. Some people are fighting that now, but it doesn't happen overnight. I've been doing this for 23 years. Uh, the third P is practice. Uh, and it's what's called deliberate practice. And that means you've got to practice every single day with a coach, a mentor, a trainer, someone who's pushing you to get a little bit better every time. Because if you're not practicing appropriately, You'll just practice it being bad. Uh, and then the other P is pattern recognition, which is really the, the, the pinnacle of expertise, is when you begin to see things that other people can't see because you understand the topic or the, the sport or whatever you're playing better than anybody else. This is how a great football quarterback drops into the pocket and sees the whole field. Uh, how a, a great musician can look at a piece of sheet music and hear the music in their head. Um, and I think a big idea when I talk to top people, it's because they're very focused on a certain area, taking in a lot of information, 
looking at that formation, studying it, and seeing the pattern. And you talked about this is something that doesn't happen immediately. This is over time. This is with patience and lots of practice. Do you, in people that you've worked with, is this a skill that just someone is born with or do, can this be developed from anyone? So if I'm sitting here listening to this podcast and I'm, and I want to be a leader, but I'm just like starting from square one in my mind, can I achieve this? Can I, can I get to the top of whatever game that I'm, I'm playing? Um, short of physical limitations, like I'm not playing in the NBA. <laughs> that makes <laughs> two of us. Yeah, five foot ten. Uh, got about a one inch vertical leap. Um, that ain't gonna happen. But short of physical limitations, uh, I'm a strong believer that you can achieve anything you want to achieve. Now there is the idea of a, you know, sort of the abundance mentality, and I can't remember what the other one is, but uh, internal locus control, external mm. effic- uh, efficacy. So you got to believe you can achieve. Hmm. Uh, and a lot of people fight that. They don't believe that they deserve it or they could do it. Um, but if you've got the belief structure that says, as long as I put my mind to it and I work on it and I've got a coach, a trainer, a mentor, a trainer, somebody helping me, and I really spend 5, 8, 10, 15 years on this, you will likely become in the top, you know, among the top in the world at what you do. Uh, I, I'm a living example of this. You know, I, I'm not that smart. I failed out of college. But when I started to do what I do, I looked around and said, who's the best in the world at this? Who's number one as a, as a coach, a mentor, a leadership expert? And at the time, it was Tom Peters. So what I did is I sat down and I, I made a list of everything that Tom Peters had done in his career. You know, what did, what did Tom Peters do to become number one in the world at what he did? And I created a checklist. And for 17 years, every day I got up and said, what else can I check off that list? Uh, and about... Three years ago, he and I both got named as one of the top 100 leadership experts in America, top 500 in the world, and I was on the list. It was alphabetical, three names after his. So not a, not a genius, just extremely focused and persistent and had created a plan and knew what it would take to get to that level of expertise. It's an incredible story, and I think so many people like to look at the finished product and, and what, what they read in the paper, what they see on social media. But what they didn't see is the, the 17 years of, of crossing off the list, right, and of grinding and getting better. Oh, yeah, and people always use the example of Mark Zuckerberg mm-hmm. or you know, Jeff Bezos or somebody like that, that all of a sudden they invented this thing and they were a gazillionaire. That's very, very rarely does that work. If you study the lives of any of those quote-unquote overnight successes, uh, Mark Zuckerberg spent 10 years building that thing. They had mm-hmm. hundreds of employees. They spent – millions and millions and millions of dollars before Facebook became the juggernaut that it is today. So even the ones where you're overnight success, nah, it, mm. it's usually 8, 10, 15 years. <laughs> so if you don't have the patience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's excellent. So with, with all of those things, all those commonalities uh, amongst those top players, is there anything that you see either uh, successful people or, or organizations still struggling with even the top ones is there a consistency oh there's a there's an absolute consistency uh and this goes for people or organizations and it's one that i struggle with too it's lack of disciplined execution uh from a personal standpoint this is understanding that you need to do something but just not being disciplined enough to do it to write the plans to set your uh what do they call those new year's resolutions and everything to do that 
and then wake up a month later and you haven't done anything or six months or a year or for some people when they through, come through my classes 20 or 25 years mm. where they look back and say, I know I should have been doing this, but I haven't done it for two decades or three decades. In businesses, uh, I mentioned that I, I spoke at Wharton. I've been a guest lecturer at Wharton now for about 19 years teaching strategy and strategic thinking. And every year in my class, and you've got to be an executive to get in my class. It's an executive level class, not undergraduate. Uh, I ask my, my group every year, what percentage of companies that have a good plan, have a good strategy, know how to win in the marketplace, they got a good product and service, what percentage of them effectively executes their plan? Uh, the answer is between 10 and 15%. In the last couple of years, it's dropped to 5%. Uh, there's no lack of really bright people with cool ideas and great plans. There's a huge lack of people that can take ideas and turn them into action. Wow, that that's amazing to hear because, I mean, these are people that are putting a lot of money and a lot of resources into these ideas and into this. So sitting from, from where you sit and, and seeing this from the other side, what would you tell people to over to, to start to overcome this? If it's something that everyone's doing, how can we get better at it? How can we be in that 5% as opposed to the 95 well, it's a, a great question. No one's ever asked me that before. So I'm going to have to think this through as I answer it. Uh, I think the first thing is, is you have to be fully committed. Uh, you got to be, I mean, deeply, personally, fully committed doing this. I've, you know, if you look at somebody's calendar, you can tell what their priorities are. And I've always said this with my, and I use myself as an example too, is if I'm not focused and working on something that I'm supposed to be, then it must not really be a priority to me. So step one is it's got to become a priority. And if you're going to build a business or change your life, it's got to become a burning desire, something that you just can't live without uh, achieving. Uh, the next thing is you got to have a written plan. You got to you got to sit down and write out. And there's I use a great acronym for this. A friend of mine, Tom Morris, came up with a fantastic acronym. Must have a plan. P-L-A-N. Number one, prepare for the journey. Sit down, think this through. What would my life look like in 10 years or 15 years if I totally changed everything? Uh, and write that down as clear and specific and measurable as you can. Uh, the word I like to use here is binary. It's one, zero, yes, no, no guessing. A great, great business phrase, ambiguity breeds mediocrity. So you got to remove the amb ambiguity so you're focused, like we said before. So write it down. P is prepare for the journey. The L is launch into action. This is the passion, the energy, the excitement, the commitment, the burning desire that there's just no way on the face of the earth I'm not going to accomplish this. So you got to launch in and apply massive action. Uh, the A stands for analyze and adjust as you go because your plan isn't going to go according to plan. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail. Things are going to happen. Uh, so you've got to be constantly analyzing and adjusting your plan as things change in the marketplace, as things change in your life. But if you're dedicated, that's just a detour. Just move around and keep getting back onto your plan. Uh, and the last one, which is an absolutely critical idea, is the in is network with those who know. Uh, don't try to reinvent the wheel. Surround yourself with bright, sharp, smart, talented people that have walked the path before you, that have accomplished what you want to accomplish, that can give you advice and mentorship and coaching and training to help you be successful. Uh, I think both of you guys have probably seen my TED Talk did one a couple years ago, and it was on what's the most important thing you've ever learned in your life. And here it is. You become what you focus on and like the people you spend time with. Whatever you're reading, studying, learning, whatever you spend your time studying, whatever you fill your brain with, and whoever you choose to spend your time with 
will directly determine what your life looks like a decade from now. I feel like that's a recurring theme we keep hearing is, you know, you are the five people you hang out with the most. I mean, a lot of times that's hard though. And sometimes people don't even realize that they're hanging out with cancerous individuals or not even just cancerous, but just mediocre individuals or people who aren't at that, that next level that they're trying to get to uh, could be friends, could be family. What advice do you have on, on refocusing your circle of influence without necessarily, you know, hurting lifelong friends or family members? Well, you're not going to like my first answer is if you're really dedicated to getting where you want to go and one of your lifelong friends or family members is a negative influence, they don't believe in you, they're not supporting you, they're tearing you down, they don't like, you know, they're not helping you, they're hurting you, you might have to walk away from that person. You can do it with love and grace and respect, but you just can say, I'm, I can't spend a lot of time with you. I'd prefer not to because our values don't align. Um, you, you're not supportive of the things I want to do. I'm not particularly excited about the things you're doing. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means we probably aren't a good match right now. And a lot of people say, oh, you can't do that. Trust me. Well, you can, but you have to be dedicated enough the direction you're going in that you're willing to sacrifice some of those relationships, which is an important point to make here is what we're talking about here is elite performers, people that want to be, the, you know, really, really good among the best in the world at what they do. That's a whole nother level of effort. You could be pretty good and not have to make some of these tough decisions, but that's one of the other things that's important. Now, the other side of that coin after getting negative influences out of your life is surrounding yourself with great people. And the, the best thing for that is called a mastermind group. Uh, getting a couple people that you get together with once a month, once every two months that are super intelligent, high values. They know things you want to learn. You've got ideas for them. And I've had one of these all my life. I, I had one in college. It was called my study group. We studied together, went to class together, helped each other out, shared information, uh, and all graduated extremely high in our class. Uh, when I got my first job, I started one with CEOs under the age of 30 because I was 26. Then when I turned 31, I changed it to CEOs under the age of 40. Uh, <laughs> now that I'm 50, it's pretty much anybody. Uh, but, but I've still got one of 18 CEOs and their spouses that come to my house about once every 45 days. And we hang out for three or four hours and we talk about uh, technology and business changes and economics and politics. And we help each other with our businesses, with our lives, our families, our careers. And it's that support group. And the way you build one of those is you find one or two people that you really admire, that you think you really like to learn from, and you think you have something to value to them. Ask them if they want to form a mastermind group. And if they say yes, then ask both of them to invite two people you don't know. Two people they look up to, they respect, they want to learn from, and you over and over again. And what happens is you get a group of a lot of people that are really, really good at what they do, but they don't know each other all that well yet. So you've got a lot of information to help each other. And I think the last thing is, is in, in addition to that, is having a mentor or several mentors. John, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because that has been a recurring theme, just the idea of surrounding yourself with better people, but specifically mentors, coaches, and masterminds. And it, you said it almost like unquestionably, like don't, if you want to be successful, you need to have this, right? Because oh, absolutely. It's, it's fundamental. Yeah, I, I don't, let's put it this way. Nobody is successful alone, period. You need help. Everybody needs help. 
Uh, and why not get the best people you possibly can to surround yourself with? And, you know, and some people go, what happens? You're the lowest person or what happens if you get somebody in your group that's not quite that good? The way I look at it, as long as they're striving to improve, they're working hard, they're learning, they're learning from you, they're a great mentee, then that's a fantastic person. It's just the people that don't put any effort in, don't add any value. They just want to hang out to learn from you only. You also want to watch out, make sure you don't get too many of those in your life. Absolutely. Yeah, I would say that for myself personally, and I think Wade can say the same, that the moment that I got a, a mentor, a coach, and joined a mastermind, that's actually how Wade and I really started, uh, met and, and started working together, um, was really what, what took my career to the next level. So for th those of you guys that are listening that aren't yet there, that's, that's the piece of advice right there. Go find one. Yeah, not yeah, only that's that, I think I've found a lot of success just, just seeking out the information that people that I look up to have put out there, you know, like you, John, or uh, just, you know, podcasts, other podcasts and uh, books, audio books. I mean, getting a subscription to Audible was one of the best things I've ever done because now, you know, I don't really listen to music anymore. I, I should, shouldn't say never, but the majority of the time when I'm driving, it's constantly, you know, whatever book I'm working on, when I finish my, when I run out of credits for the month, I usually go to podcasts and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm almost feel like I'm surrounding myself with those ultimate top elite performers, you know, in that way too. And it doesn't really hardly cost anything to do stuff like that. No, I mean, there's today, there is more information available than, than ever the history of humankind. And a large part of it is free. Um, if you can't afford books, you can go to the library. You can download free eBooks. You can get on TED Talks, Big Think, podcasts. Uh, I mean, there's just there's no excuse not to be doing this. But I'll give you a great ex example, Wade. Um, this will show my age compared to yours. But when I was in early in my career, I was running a company in Palm Beach, and I lived in Fort Lauderdale, and it was a two-hour commute there every morning and every day back. And right around the corner from my house was a thing called uh, audio. Uh, what was it? Audiobooks Unlimited, and they they had books on tape back then, <laughs> cassette tape. And in a two-year span, when I was driving back and forth, I listened to 700 books from that place. Wow. Uh, so I mean, it's it's a it's a it's better than a university degree mm. in your car. Now you could do it for free with podcasts. Back then, it was a couple of bucks a day. And it, I, that's one of the things that changed my life. And, it, and the reason is you don't have to be a genius. Mm. You, can, you can learn from other geniuses for free. It's just taking the time to get access to that information and absorb part of it. And frankly, after you listen to a whole bunch of these, you guys probably know it, just like this podcast, it starts to get redundant. Mm -hmm. You start to hear that thing about mastermind groups and focus and discipline, blah, blah, blah. And the reason it's redundant is you're seeing the pattern. Mm. So, so great. And, and actually, that was one of Wade and I's uh, why as to why we were doing the podcast is to continuously reinforce that, not just for ourselves, but for others, because we have heard these same themes repeated over and over and over again at every level. Um, I, I did want to um, kind of pivot a little bit because I want to make sure I ask you about this. It's something I'm I'm really passionate about and, and I know you've got a great perspective on it. It's the idea of uh, being an, a genuine, authentic leader and building a culture of trust. Uh, it, it's something that I, 
I think a lot of people have misconceptions about in, in the media when you see all the, all the, the bad stories of, of that gone wrong. Um, how, how important is that in, in building an organization or, or even just a, a family of, of trust and culture? Well, uh, the, my first point would be is a lot of that stuff that you see in the press right now from politics to business to sports to whatever it is, those aren't leaders, the people that are doing those things. They might be successful for a little while. They might have earned it, but they don't go home at night and put their head on their, uh, on their pillow and know that they're living their values. They're impacting people's lives positively. Um, I don't consider those people leaders. And you had asked this question earlier, are leaders made or, or, or born? I think it's mostly made, but you know, you, you've got to be born with some level of uh, extroversion, some level of willing to work with other people, a desire to interact with other people. Uh, and that, but there's some stuff in leadership that can't be taught. Honesty, integrity, clear values, respect for people. It doesn't matter how bright you are and how much training I give you. If you don't tell the truth, you don't care about people, it's impossible to be, in my opinion, a great leader. And I think what you're describing is the, is the way leadership is going right now. When I started in my career, you know, 30 something years ago, which is scary to say that, it was all command and control. I mean, when my boss said jump, it was how high, sir. It was all men and they just told me what to do. Uh, then it, the pendulum swung for many, many years where it was all management by numbers. People didn't exist, they were just a number. Uh, they were, you know, they were head count, Ugh, terrible. Now we're back in this area where, and Greenleaf is the one who, Greenleaf is the one who wrote most on this, servant leadership and the idea of collaboration, compassion, connection, uh, being a person that has a lot of respect, high EQ, uh, another word for that would be empathy, and then you used a, a great word, which is authenticity. And another word I might use there is vulnerability, which is being courageous enough to admit that you need help, you don't have all of the answers, and authentic enough to be your true self at home and at, at work so people respect and admire you for who you are, not the role you play. And, and John, if I'm sitting here listening to this and, and desiring to be that type of leader, now, now this, isn't, this isn't necessarily a, a learned skill, or, or is there things that we can do to become more authentic? Are there certain practices that we should be working on um, obviously, like you said, there are certain non-negotiables, but if the honesty is there and the willingness to work with other people and all those other things are there, um, how do we get to that deeper level of, of genuine authenticity and vulnerability with the people That's around us? Great question. You're asking a great question today because no one's ever asked me that one before either. And it, and it plays back perfectly on a class I taught last week. I had about 150 senior executive CEOs, business owners in a class. And I did three exercises with them uh, that really hit home. And it was, I don't typically put the exercises together this way. But here's what they are. I believe this, is, this gets to your answer. Step one, create a written list of your core values. What are the four, five, six things that are absolutely fundamental to who you are and the person you want to be? The things that you, will, you never want to violate. And get really clear on that. Take the time, write them down, put them in priority order if you can. And then you use that as a touchstone every day to say, am I being authentic to my own values? Which is really what authenticity is, is being who you really are, not trying to pretend to be something you're not. 
Uh, here's, and I'll give you all three of these, and then I'll tell you the number. Uh, number two, then I challenged them, is to write down their own personal definition of success. You know, what would have to happen in your life for you to, to what would, have, would you have to have, be, do, what would have to happen for you to, to look up and say, I feel very successful. I think I've achieved in my life what I was hoping to achieve. Uh, that was number two. Uh, and then number three is I asked them to create their own leadership competency model. Or another word I use is your own personal leadership philosophy. And that entails doing the research, studying, learning, watching other people, good leaders, bad leaders, and creating a list of characteristics, attitudes, attributes, and skills you think you need to have to be the kind of leader you want to be. Uh, now, here's the interesting thing. I, I've been teaching those three things for decades, and I'll get in a room of 150, 200, 500 senior executives, and I will ask them, before you showed up today, how many of you had a written list of your core values, a written overview of what your personal definition of success was, and a list of the key attributes you want to have to be a great leader in your life, in your family, in your community, in your organization? And I would let you guys, well, what do you think? Out of 100 people in a room, tip senior executives running companies, out of 100 of them, how many of you think have those three things written down? I would guess zero. I would get maybe, maybe two or three. Uh, I had two people in the last class, and for the first time in years, one of the gentlemen had it, actually had it on a laminated card that he carried with him everywhere he went. Wow. Uh, that is insanely rare to see that. Yeah. Now, after you hear it, you say, but, but if you're going to be an authentic leader, make a difference in your life, leave a legacy, how in the world could you do that if you haven't defined your values, your definition of success, and you have no overview of the way you want to act and behave? And then the key with that then is then to hold yourself accountable. And the way, and the way I do it is I score myself on a scale of 1 to 10 on how well I'm doing on those things. Mm. Uh, I'll look at my leadership list or my value. I do with my values a lot. Uh, basically almost every week or every day I'm thinking about that, but two or three times a year I'll sit down and actually write them out and score on my six core values, how well am I actually living them every day? How much am I in integrity with my own, the things that I say are most important to me? And, and just to let you know, mine are honesty, health, love, laughter, learning, and contribution. I love that. Love that. And I think a really important concept is because I'm on my, I don't know, probably my 10th draft of this. And, and somehow it gets more and more clear every time. But one thing that I realized somewhere around draft four or five was that these had to be mine, right? And I couldn't just copy these from someone else. And I think that's something that where a lot of people start. But along the way, you really have to hone in on what's, what's deep inside, right? And, well, and what you just said is, and it was, is the fulcrum for getting authenticity is these aren't anybody else's values, this isn't society's values or my family or my church or synagogue or whatever, these are my values. Mm. And I'm willing to put a stake in the ground and stand behind them and say, this is who I wanna be and this is what I wanna do. And I don't plan to change them dramatically mm. unless something changes in my life. I don't have kids. I've been told that when you have kids, your value structure mm. just suddenly spins around and changes, which is awesome. But for the most part, authenticity comes from that deep introspection, like you're saying, and then the willingness to be courageous and say, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. These are my values. This is the kind of leader I want to be and hold me accountable to it. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that, that's fantastic. I think that that's so important and something that's such missing in 
um, in, in society with all the distractions that are out there, all the clickbait that you see come up on your newsfeed and, and everything like that, people feel like they're supposed to act another way. I mean, even our own political system has very defined, you know, hardcore set values if you're on this side or on this side. And, and especially in these times, so many people are falling into one of those two categories. And I think not being truly authentic. Um, but but it sounds like you figured it out, John. And uh, definitely, I'm taking notes over here um, because this is this is some good stuff. <laughs> we we always take notes along the way, but this is going to be one we're going to have to we're going to have to rewind it and go right back through because uh, there's so much more to pull out of this. Um, so so to to wrap this up, I how can how can people find you? And is there anything that you would like to close with? Anything uh, left that you'd like to say? Well, uh, finding me is pretty easy. It's uh, johnspence.com is my website. Uh, and my email, if somebody has a question or concern or issue, wants to you know, ask me for my advice, it's john at johnspence.com. And I do answer all my own emails. I get uh, quite a few every day, so it might take me a few days to get back to you. Uh, also on my website, there's some, or on my blog and my website, there's a place you can download the top 60 books I've ever read. And I think that would be a really valuable, uh, valuable tool for a lot of people. And to leave it on anything, I think I'm going to circle back again and just underline that thing or two things that I said in my TED talk that I think are the two most important things I've ever learned. Number one, ask for help. Uh, don't be ashamed. Don't be, you know, some people think asking for help is weak. The smartest, most successful people I've ever met in my life are eager to ask for help, to be curious, to want to learn more, and to admit they don't have all the answers and they need help. And the way to do that is surround yourself with great people, focus on the right things. Uh, and then I'll add one last caveat to that, dedicate yourself to lifelong learning, to what I call personal Kaizen. How can I get just a little bit better every day, 1% better every day? Learn something new, meet somebody, create a new connection, serve somebody, help them. And I think if every day you get up, you know, trying to live your values, learn more, grow more, meet more people, help more people, uh, things should turn out okay in the end. Love that so much, John. And, and whether you know it or not, you actually just hit on two of my three guiding principles right there. So good. I good. appreciate that. John, I know, uh, I know your time is so valuable and we appreciate you being on the attain anything podcast so much. And I know the listeners certainly will. um, I just got to say thank you and thank you for being authentic and genuine. Um, the Gainesville community is very lucky to have you here. Not only Gainesville, but the world. The world, <laughs> the world is very lucky to have you. Thanks, you guys. It's my honor. It's my pleasure. Um, this is exactly what I get up every day hoping to do to be able to assist people. And I want to thank you for giving the opportunity to, to, to reach your listeners and hopefully give them a few good ideas. So thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to the Attain Anything podcast. We truly hope you were able to take something out of today's episode that you can start executing immediately. And if so, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us an awesome review. If you found value in today's podcast, please share it with someone. We're trying to get this message out to as many people as possible. For more articles, information, or to get in touch with us, you can find us at attainanything.com.